Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome. Thank you so much for joining us uh, today. Today is Mother's Day, and so I'm so thankful today for the moms in my life. Of course, I'm talking about my own mom that worships with us uh, every single week right here in our church, but also my wife, Liz, who is the mother of our two daughters, and I'm really so thankful for those moms in my life. Now, normally what we do on this day is we usually say the phrase, Happy Mother's Day. But, you know, this Mother's Day, happy seems to be in short supply, right? I mean, things have been a little awkward the last six weeks. Uh, in fact, I think Ben, that eight-year-old boy from Kentucky, really said it best when he was having to be homeschooled by his mom, he wrote a little note in his journal that went viral. That Check this out. Ben is writing this, and he says, It is not going good. My mom's getting stressed out. My mom is really getting confused. We took a break so my mom can figure this stuff out. And I'm telling you, it is not going good. You know, you probably felt that same way, man. It is not really going good like what I thought or what I'd hoped. Maybe you're trying to recharge and revive your business and it's not going so good. Maybe, maybe you've been stuck with the kids at home and you're trying to bang out school and it's not going so good. Maybe, maybe you're a graduate and you were looking forward to prom and graduation and all these things, but they're not happening and things are not going so good. Here's the question that I have for you. Can you be happy when things are not going so good? Can you find happiness even in hard times? You know, the Bible talks about that. So I want you to get your Bible out and let's look into it. James chapter 1 is where we're going to be today. James chapter 1, and we're going to look at happiness and, and really where do we find our source of joy and happiness. While you're turning there, James chapter 1 uh, let me just kind of set the stage. James is a key leader in the church in Jerusalem, and uh, he is writing this letter to Christians who have been persecuted and scattered all across the Roman Empire. These Christians were really going through it. They were really, really suffering. Uh, they were hated by the Romans because they were Jewish, and they were hated by the Jews because they had chosen to follow Christ. So really, there wasn't anywhere for them to hide, and they were really being persecuted. I mean, some of them had lost their businesses. Some of them had lost all their possessions. Some of them had been thrown in prison. Even some of them had death threats on them. And so here they are, and they're really under persecution. They're really hurting. They're really suffering. And James writes a letter. Now, here's what I want you to understand. These people are just like you and me. These people have hopes and dreams just like you and me. I was talking with a friend of mine who was born in Pakistan. And he told me the story how when his parents came to faith in Christ, that they had to flee Pakistan because of religious persecution. And they had a, a wealthy business, a prosperous business. They left everything to come to the States and they had to start all over. That's exactly what was happening with these Christians. They were really losing everything. And so James is going to write a message to them. So let's see what James says to them. James chapter 1, beginning of verse 2. He says, Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, 
whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Now run your finger down to verse 12. Blessed is the one who endures trials, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Now I want you to look at verse 2, and I want you to circle these two words. Great joy. Great joy. James starts off, and he's talking to these people who are really going through it. They're really suffering. And he starts off, and what he does not say is, guys, I'm really sorry that you're going through this. He doesn't say, hey, let me give you 10 steps to kind of working through this problem. Uh, or he doesn't say, hey, uh, let, me, let me give you a message on how to not grow bitter against God or turn your heart against God. He doesn't say any of this. You know what he says? Consider this a great joy. Consider this, what you're going through, what you're dealing with, a great joy. Listen, if James was here today, all right, he's standing on this platform and he's talking to you right now and knowing all that you're going through, know that all that you're struggling with financially, know that all you're struggling with, with uncertainty and change and disappointments and all these things are going on in your life. You know what he would say if he was standing right here talking to you? He would say, consider this a great joy. Let me ask you something. Are you joyful right now? Why in the world is he talking about joy? I mean, doesn't he know what we're dealing with? Doesn't he know what's going on? Why is he talking about joy? Well, you know, joy is a pervasive uh, topic in the Bible. In fact, uh, interestingly enough, that if you look at the word joyful or joy or rejoice, that word appears 480 times in the Bible, if you look up the word happy or happiness, it turns up 51 times, almost 10 times as much. God uses the word joy, and that's because joy matters to God. Joy comes from God. Listen, Psalm 30, verse 5 says, Weeping may uh, last overnight, but there is joy in the morning. You know, the Apostle Paul was... Uh, struggling through his own hard times. I mean, he was in prison for uh, preaching the gospel. He had lost everything financially that he had, any possessions that he had. He lost his freedom. He lost his friends. Everything was terrible, right? I mean, he, he was literally on death row, and yet in that circumstance, he drafts a letter to the Philippians that is often called the letter of joy. And in that letter, he writes these words, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Listen, I want, I want you to understand something. Paul and James both are saying the same thing. They're saying that you can have joy even in hard times. I want you to write that in your Bible. I want you to write that in the margin, right there next to James chapter 2. I want you to write this down so you'll remember it. You can have joy even in hard times. You can experience God's joy. You can know God's joy even when times are hard. 
You know, a lot of people don't know joy because they don't really understand joy. You know, there are a lot of misconceptions when it comes to what is joy anyway. For example, some people think that joy really comes from uh, your own circumstances, right? If I if I get a great job, then I'm joyful, right? Or if I get a, a you know a better girlfriend or boyfriend, then I'm joyful. If I could win the lottery, right, then I would be joyful. But that's not really always the case, you know. I think about William Post, a guy from Pennsylvania that won 16.2 million dollars in the lottery. And it didn't make him joyful because his brother hired an assassin to kill him so he could collect on the inheritance. I mean, that's, that's kind of a bummer, right? That's family drama to the hilt, right? But joy doesn't come from your circumstances. And even if it did, your circumstances are going to change or going to change, right? So joy doesn't come from your circumstances. Some people think that joy comes from uh, kind of your um, uh, your choices in life, your... your uh, your behavior, right? So people, if you go to the grocery store and you look at the magazines, they'll give you 10 steps to having a joyful life. Uh, if you go to the uh, the bookstore, you'll find in the self-help aisle, right, all these books that promise you that if you do these 12 things and you're going to be joyful, right? If you watch daytime TV, and I know some of you are watching it, I know you're watching it. Anyway, uh, you're you're gonna you're gonna hear people giving you all ways to have joy. You gotta gotta get better sleep, get a better exercise, make a friend at work, you know that kind of thing. But you know what? Even these own behavior choices do not always produce joy. Here's what I want you to understand: the Bible has a different view on joy. Get this: the Bible says that God gives you joy. The Bible says that joy, get this, comes from God. It's a gift from God. It's supernatural. It's not something that you conjure up. It's something that God gives to you. In Romans chapter 15, verse 13, it says, may the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Jesus promised to give his gift of joy to his disciples. In John 15 or 11, he said, I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. In fact, Galatians 5 says that joy comes from the Holy Spirit, that the fruit of the Spirit is joy. So here's the deal. What you understand is that God is the one that gives you joy. And if God is the one that gives you joy, and it doesn't come from your circumstances, and it doesn't come from your behavior, but it comes from God, then that means that you can have real joy even in hard times. Even when things go bad, you can experience God's joy. And of course, you may be asking the question right now in your mind, well, okay, so how does that happen? How do I actually experience joy when things don't go right. You know, I've been a pastor now for many years, and I've, I've got a front row seat many times. I've had a front row seat many times to people in, in the greatest moments of their lives and in the worst moments of their lives. And I've noticed that there are some people that when they go through tremendous suffering and pain, they experience God's joy. And you, you just see it on their countenance. You hear it in their voice. How do they do that? Well, I believe that there are two things that they do that 
uh, is right out of God's Word that allows them to experience joy. And I think these are two things that we can do in times like these to experience God's joy. Okay, so I'm going to give them to you. Write this first one down. Those people that experience joy, they count on God instead of counting God out. Now look at look at verse 2 again. Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials. I want you to underline the word consider, right? This is a really important word. It's a big word. The word consider it can also be translated to count it. It's literally an accounting term. It means to put it in the ledger, to account it in a certain way. It means to think about something differently, okay? To think about and to consider this. Listen, people who experience joy in hard times think about their trials differently than other people. They think about their trials differently. Uh, they, they don't count God out, they count on God. You see, most people, when they hit a trial, they count God out. They go, oh, well, God has abandoned me, or oh, that God has left me, or God's not faithful, or God's disappointed me, and this kind of thing, and they're counting God out. But people that experience joy, they don't count God out, they count on God. They say, you know what, uh, uh, God's at work here, and, and God's faithful to his word, and, and I'm going to hang on to God's promise, and I know that God's going to go before me, and God's going to make this for good in my life. They're counting on God, not counting God out. That's a key way that they think. Consider your struggles right now. Are you counting on God? Are you counting God out? Listen, troubles are going to come, right? They're going to come. In fact, right there in this verse, he said, uh, uh, consider it all joy when you, whenever you face trials of many kinds. The trials are going to come. They're going to come one way or the other. Jesus uh, said in this world, you will have trouble. Anyone that says, man, when you become a Christian, you're never going to face problems, they're just not telling you the truth, all right? Jesus tells us the truth. Trials are going to come. Troubles are going to come. But when they come, the child of God that experiences joy counts on God and doesn't dismiss him, doesn't count him out. You know, when I thought about this, I was thinking, uh, thinking about a wonderful family in our church, Chris and Skylar Robinson. They both serve on our staff. Chris works in our communications department. Skylar works in our guest services department. And I'll never forget when their baby Lizzie was born. And it was a real joyful time. We were so happy for them. But early on, uh, in the first couple of months, they realized that Lizzie had some kind of heart problem. So they, they went in, they did some tests. And throughout all these tests, they were... Uh, they came back and told them that Lizzie had Williams syndrome. In fact, they got that news just before Mother's Day. And of course, they were devastated. You know, what would her life be like and how, how would their life change because of uh, this condition? And, you know, right at the bat, their heads were kind of spinning and then... One night, just kind of in a moment of honesty, Chris kind of verbalized what everybody was thinking. And he said, why? Why is this happening to us? And Skylar said, it was almost as if God was speaking directly to me. And she told Chris, listen, God gave this to us because he knew 
what we would do with it. Listen, she, she went on to say, we have counted on God every step of the way. We don't know what's around the corner. We don't know what the future is like. We can't let our minds run to what 10 years from now will be like or 20 years will be like. She said, we just have determined to count on God every single day and to delight in Lizzie. And she's starting kindergarten this fall. Listen, are you counting on God? Are you counting God out? Are you saying, God, I'm depending on you and I'm trusting your word and I'm putting my whole weight down on your promises? Are you saying, God, you know, I I don't trust you. I don't know if you're here and you fall into despair. Listen, people that experience joy in suffering have chosen to count on God and not count him out. The second thing that people do that experience joy, and that is that they trust God with what he's teaching you. To trust God with what He's teaching you. You know, most parents right now are uh, teaching at home, right? Whether you like it or not, you are now the new teacher. <laughs> You're, some of you are homeschooling your kids and you thought that would never happen in a million years, but here you are. You're homeschooling your kids. And sometimes that's hard on you as a parent. Sometimes that's hard on the kids uh, as well. Uh, in fact, one mom uh, posted on Instagram Uh, this, and I really thought it was funny. She said, I have had a lot of time to think and reflect lately, and I've come to the conclusion that my family functions best when we spend approximately six to eight hours a day apart from one another, preferably five days a week. (laughs) Listen, you probably come to that same conclusion too, right? It's hard uh, to homeschool, but here's the deal. Every time a trial comes into your life, God is homeschooling you. Every time a crisis comes in your life and you are faced with it, God is teaching you some valuable lessons about Him and doing some valuable things in you. And uh, you say, well, what what kind of things is God teaching me? Well, let me give you a couple of them. Uh, They're right out of this passage. One is God's teaching you to trust Him. Look at verse uh, 3. It says, the testing of your faith develops perseverance or endurance. Um, That testing of your faith, that... A trial tests your faith. It tests to see if you really trust God or not. Let me ask you something, a real honest question. You don't have to answer it out loud. But have you caught yourself doubting God lately? Have you caught yourself thinking, God, why is this happening to us? And God, do you even care? And God, are you even there? And God, if you really love me, you wouldn't allow these things to happen. And God, I'm just so fearful that you're not going to move. You ever find yourself doing that? That's what trials do. They put your faith in God, your confidence in God to the test. You know, it's the same word, this testing of your faith is the same word of a silversmith that would take the raw ore of silver and they would crush it and they would put it in a crucible and they would stick it in a fire. And that silver would begin to, to burn and, and get turn liquid and then to bubble. And then what happens is that all the, the dross and all the impurities begin to bubble up from the top of that silver and surface. And then that silversmith would just... Uh, take it right off and, and put it back into the fire and more would come up and he would pull it out and take it off and they would go through this process. Listen, when you are in a trial that tests your faith, what bubbles up is doubt. Have you felt it? 
What bubbles up is anger. What bubbles up is anxiety. What bubbles up is sadness and sorrow. All these things are coming from within inside of you and they're coming to the surface and God often uses trials to bring those things to the surface in your life so he can pull them off and remove them. You know, it's been said that the silversmith will continue to move that silver in and out of the furnace, continually wiping away and pulling away that dross until that silver is so pure that it reflects his face. And listen, God's goal in this trial is not to harm you. God's goal in this trial is not to punish you. God's goal in this trial is to to purify you, to, to transform you so that you begin to reflect Christ to your family, to reflect Christ to others, to resemble His likeness in your life. So many times in these trials, one of the things He's teaching us is He's teaching us uh, to stand that, that test. Uh, he's teaching us to trust Him. He's teaching us to, to uh, continue to trust God no matter the circumstance. Here's another thing that we learn in trial is that He's teaching us to endure. Look at verse 3. The testing of your faith produces endurance. When you go through a trial, you have to learn to endure. You just have to keep going. Yeah, I remember uh, when I was 39 years old, I ran my first marathon. Well, let me say that differently. I ran my first and my last marathon, okay? And and it took a lot of training uh, for this run, okay? And I, I happened to run with a lot of guys that were expert veteran marathoners. And so we would get out and run. Of course, they were already conditioned. I was not conditioned at all. And so it was difficult. And I remember there was this large lake that we would run around. And the lake was several miles uh, in circumference to get all the way around it. And I remember thinking I could never run around this lake. And one particular day, we were out on a run, and I just had a bad day, okay? I wasn't feeling good. I really didn't want to be out there. The wind was blowing, and so I got slower and slower. The other guys, because they were in better shape, they ran on ahead. I was in the back all by myself. And let me I'll just tell you, I just got angry. I was like, why am I out here? I hate this. I don't even know why I'm doing Look at my body. I'm not a marathon runner. And why did they leave me? And they should have stayed. I mean, I was just having a pity party deluxe back there. And I wanted to quit, but I just just kept going. I mean, I, nobody was going to pick me up. I had to keep going. And so I just kept going. And you know what? After a couple of weeks, I, I, I actually ran all the way around the lake. And then a, and about a month later, I actually ran around the lake twice. I couldn't believe it. And, and you know what I learned? I learned that endurance produces more endurance. And that's what God wants to do in your life. That when you go through a trial, you learn to endure, to keep going, to not quit, to persevere in it. And when you do, God produces even more endurance for the next trial. I was talking with a friend of mine just this week who's a mom, and uh, and they her family's been through a lot. I mean, over the last several years, I mean, they have been through all kinds of 
challenge after challenge after challenge of uh, medical problems and job loss and financial challenges and all kinds of struggles. And it's just been really, really difficult. And so we were talking about this recent COVID-19 crisis. And I said, well, how is that hitting your family? And she said, you know, this really hasn't bothered my kids at all. And then she kind of made off-the-cuff comment. She said, uh, you know, they've been through so much already. They've endured so much that, hey, this was no big deal. And I thought about, when she said that, I thought, you know what? That's what endurance does. If you endure through one trial, then you're stronger, and you're able to endure through the next trial. And that's what trials do. They produce endurance. Hey, don't quit. Don't just get angry. Don't isolate. Just keep moving forward. Just keep trusting God. You don't have to trust God for the next month. Just trust Him for the next day. Just trust Him for the next month. Just trust Him till 6 o'clock. Then trust Him till 10 in the night. And just trust Him in the next morning. And you just keep trusting God. You just keep praying. You just keep moving forward. You just keep serving. You just keep loving other people. Just keep doing what God calls you to do. And as you do, you will learn to persevere. And you will grow stronger and stronger as a result of it. God is teaching us all kinds of things. He's teaching us to endure. He's teaching us to trust Him. Here's one more thing. God teaches us to mature, to grow up. Look at verse 4. And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. I love that. He says, let endurance have its full effect. In other words, he's saying, don't leave the gym of God's training too early, right? <laughs> Don't check out too early. You know, you think think about going to a gym. You know, you ever know people that they go to a gym to work out and you never really see them work out, right? They show up in their, you know, workout clothes and they may do a little of this, a little of that over there. But most of the time they're just kind of talking with their towel over their shoulder and kind of working the crowd and then they leave, you know, and that's it. They're just talk, kind of show up and leave. And then there are these other people in there and they're like, they're for real, right? They don't even talk to anybody. They put their earbuds in and they're just focused. They got their plan and they're like sweating and grunting and I mean they're just full tilt working out pushing their body to the limit now you know how you tell the difference between these two one of them is cut and the other one is not right one of them just has muscles bulging because they've worked at it and the other one doesn't really look any different they go day after day they don't have any transformation in them physically now listen there's a lot of people there are a lot of people they're like this spiritually They they want to grow. They want to be spiritually mature, but they're not willing to endure the pain to get the result. And that's what trials do. Trials put us in a situation where we have to learn to persevere. We have to learn to trust God. And as we do those things, as we face the wind of resistance, as we face the crisis and we keep going, that God matures us and God grows us and God transforms us. Listen, are you allowing the crisis that you're going through right now to make you a stronger follower of Jesus? Are you allowing it to grow you and mature you and shape you into the likeness of Jesus? You know, James uh, talks about uh, trials all the way through this. 
And, and really one of the main thoughts that he gives us is this. God doesn't want you to be happy as much as he wants you to be holy. God's not just interested in, in you having a painless life. He's interested in you being transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And as you learn to count on God and not count him out, and as you learn to trust God with all these lessons, as you learn to trust him and as you learn to endure and as you learn to, to grow and mature and to grow through these things and get stronger as a follower of Jesus, then you are really becoming the person that God wants you to have. And listen, we can have joy. That <laughs> none of this stuff is just, just for nothing. That God's actually at work in this. God's at work in this crisis that you're going through right now. God wants to use this for good in your life. James closes out with this, um, last thought. Look at verse 12. He says, Blessed is the one who endures trials because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. He said, uh, blessed is the one who endures. That word blessed can be translated happy. It's the same as the, as the Beatitudes that Jesus used in, in uh, Matthew 5. Uh, blessed is the one who endures. Happy, joyful is the one who endures. Why? Because that person knows not only is God with me now, but that person knows what's ahead. Listen, if, if nothing else, trials remind us that we're not home yet. Trials remind you that you're not home yet. That this is the season when we trust God. This is the season when we endure. This is the season when we grow. This is the season when we count on God and keep moving forward. This is the season for that. This is the time when we grow. But listen, there's going to come a time when that season is over and we're going to be in heaven with him. And that's the ultimate joy. Now is the time we deal with suffering, but then we will not. Down here we deal with hardship. Up there we won't. And so the follower of Jesus always looks past the hardship, past the trouble, and looks forward to heaven, to being with Christ. This is Jesus said when we will hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Listen, can you have happiness? Can you have joy even when things are not going so good? Yeah, you can. But the only way you can really have that joy is if you have Jesus. And here's a big question. Do you? Do you have Christ? Has there been a moment in your life when you've actually given your life to Jesus Christ? Because if you're just trying to make it through on your own, you're never going to find happiness. Happiness only comes in a relationship with Jesus Christ, knowing where you're going, knowing that when this life ends, that you will spend eternity with Him. Listen, while you're just sitting right there, I want to give you an opportunity to know for sure that you're right with God. Right here on this special day, on this Mother's Day, you can know for sure that you're right with God.
See, the Bible tells us that while we've sinned against God and we've gone our own way and we deserve judgment, that Jesus Christ came to this earth and he came to show you the Father, to show you his love. And then he went to a cross and on the cross, all of your sin was placed on innocent Jesus and he died in your place. He died for your sin. The Bible says he was put into the grave and on the third day he rose again, just as the scriptures said he would. And right now he offers you forgiveness. He offers you his joy. He offers you his peace. He offers you new life and the promise of a life to come. And I want to give you an opportunity right now to ask Christ to come into your life. So would you just bow your heads with me just right where you are, right there on your couch or at your dining room table, in your car, wherever you are. I want you to just bow your heads with me for just a minute. And if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. God sees right where you are. God knows your heart. And even now, that feeling of, I need to give my life to Christ, that's God drawing you. That's God knocking on the door of your heart. That's God speaking directly to you. And if you have this desire to know Christ, to be saved from your sin, to be right with God, then I want you to pray this simple prayer with me. Just pray this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I've sinned against you. I know that I've gone my own way and I've lost my way. But I believe you died on a cross for me and I believe you rose again from the dead. And so I'm asking you now, please forgive me. Please come into my life. Make me a different person. God, please give me your joy the joy that only comes from you. Thank you for your love for me. Amen. Now just keep your heads bowed for just a minute. Maybe you're a Christian. Maybe you already given your life to Christ. But as you've been listening to this message, you realize that you've allowed the circumstances around you to cause your joy to fade. The joy of knowing God. Maybe you've been counting God out instead of counting on Him. Maybe you've been You've lost sight of just the endurance and, the, and trusting Him for each day's needs. And so why don't you just right now just ask God to forgive you and ask Him to give you His joy right now. Say, God, I know this joy only comes from you and I ask you right now to fill me with joy. The joy right here and the joy of knowing that I'll see you soon. Father, I thank you so much for your unfailing love for us. And thank you on this special day that you've shown us, you showed us through your word that we can have joy because we have Jesus. Lord, I pray for all the moms that are hearing this message today that you would bless them and encourage them today. Lord, I thank you for the way that they love and care for us so well. And Lord, I pray that you would just fill them with joy today. The joy of Jesus, the joy of your love and your care for us, the joy of heaven that's coming soon. And Lord, I pray that all of us would walk in joy and be a, a brilliant reflection of you to the people around us this week. 
thank you for your promises. And thank you for your joy. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.